Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Good morning, everyone. Um, I definitely know most of you, but there's definitely a few visitors um, as well. So I am Jess, and I'm married to Chris, who's the site pastor here. And we've been married three years, and I started coming here probably about a year or so before that. And I've gone to church pretty much my whole life, and I guess formally gave my life to Jesus in my teens. But of course, there's been ups and downs on the way. Um, And just so you can get to know me a bit, I thought I'd share a few truths, a bit like two truths and a lie, but just without any lies, because that's just a bit confusing. So firstly, my grandparents who are married to each other are third cousins. Um, I've been on TV twice, both of which were dating shows. That's another story. And thirdly, I probably feel most full and alive when our home is full of people we love and we're eating and drinking together. So now you know me. I just wanted to start this morning by being honest and actually what feels quite vulnerable. This has been a really hard talk to write. And if I'm honest, I'm feeling quite far from God, more of which I'll explain later. But that's okay. And I just want to say that if you're feeling far from God too, that's also okay, and we're in this together. A few weeks ago, Viv emailed me to ask which psalm I wanted to talk about, and I didn't know. I felt like I should have a favorite psalm, or a go-to, or one I know off by heart, but I don't. I feel like I haven't read the Bible properly in ages, and found it hard to know where to start. But anyway, I flicked through the psalms and stumbled across 103. And it looked like a good one, so I signed myself up for that and just left it. And then when I came to write this talk, I read the first word, praise. My heart sank, (laughs) and I immediately regretted my decision. I just don't feel like praising at the moment. Chris and I have had a hard week, and it feels like his his health has taken a bit of a step back. And the last thing I want to do is praise. But it's down on a spreadsheet that I'm speaking about Psalm 103. So here I am. So I'm going to read it to you. I think it will come up on the screen. So Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. 
As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. Its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, you who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works and everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. So I'm just going to pray for us now. Dear Lord, would you come by your spirit and speak to each one of us, whether we're really up for praising or just don't really feel like it at all. Would you soften our hearts and help us to hear your voice through this? Thank you, Lord. Amen. So it seems a bit of a cliche that the pastor who's, who was really ill's wife is preaching and she's going to harp on about how hard it is and how hard it was, but who doesn't love a cliche? So I'm going to do just that, at least for part of this. And for those of you who don't know the long story, the short story is that Chris was really ill before Christmas um, and has been on a long, slow road to recovery ever since. And if you weren't at Boaz's dedication, Chris and I spoke a bit about um, the past year and how it's been for us and what God has done. And basically, the general gist was that God has completely held me and carried me through everything. However, over the recent months, despite this, I've noticed that I've let God slip from the top of my priority list. And I feel like I'm holding him at arm's length. A few months ago, I tried to analyze myself and see what was going on. And the best analogy I could come up with is that although I feel like I, I have been and am being carried by God, I'm really struggling to look God in the eyes and be intimate with him. There feels just so much to process, too much to say, and I don't know where to start. It feels too painful to begin. And to be honest, I can't be bothered with the mess. However, this psalm I chose kind of by mistake or not, screams intimacy screams look me in the eyes Jess I've got you and I won't let you go but I want to see you and know you remember all I've done and brought you through and praise me Jess it leads on perfectly from what Esther spoke about last week which again was an accident about the desert place and the fact that praise is the best antidote so to be honest, this talk is really for me, and the process of writing it has been so beneficial for me, but I hope and pray that the Lord speaks to you through, through this as I share some of my process. So this psalm has been an inspiration to so many hymns and songs, some of which we've, we've sung today, and probably nearly, nearly more than all other psalms, and they go back as far as the 1500s. The psalm also doesn't have any historical context as to when it was written. Often psalms will have a note at the top to give us some context, but this one just says of David. We don't know when he wrote this, but this means it's applicable to all of us. It doesn't rely on any context or circumstance. We can all use it. It's about praise, 
pure praise, and it's about who God is and what he's like, his character. David is urging us all to praise. He starts with himself, then the church, and then the universe. The psalm starts and ends with praise the Lord. So what is praise? It's a word that gets thrown around and has turned into Christianese. We say, now we're going to praise and worship. But what does it actually mean, literally and practically? One dictionary definition, which I think will come up, yeah, is to express admiration or approval of the achievements or characteristics of a person or thing. In the original Greek, it means to sing, to tell of, or to give or to confess. But simply, it means to be thankful for God's blessings and to declare the good news to God and to others. It's an outward expression towards God and others. It can be sung, but it doesn't have to be. True praise comes from our hearts, and the outcome is that others see God working in us. But to praise God, we need to know God. We need to have that intimacy that I talked about. We look, if we look at the dictionary definition, it says express admiration of the characteristics, and therefore we have to know what these are in order to do it. We need to spend time getting to know God in order to praise him. And not just getting to know him, but also noticing what difference he makes to our lives and what he's done for us. David starts with himself and says, Praise the Lord, my soul. When I did Sockham over a year ago, we spoke quite a lot about our souls. And it's, I found that a bit confusing. What is my soul? But to me, my soul is like my gut. It's my most me part. If you could boil me down, it's what would be left, my essence. And that is what we are urged to praise with, our most me part, all of us. Not just our right arm and a good uplifting chorus, but our souls. It's the self talking to self. I sometimes hear Chris talking to himself, but he's rarely telling his soul his self to praise but that is what we should all be doing talking to ourselves and telling ourselves to praise and as I said praise is not just sung it's our very being how do we praise God all day every day with the things we do say how we behave it's hard and I'm definitely finding it hard at the moment but on the other hand it's easy like Rachel talked about a couple of weeks ago ease in our effort because of who God is and what he's like, what David calls in this psalm his benefits. In other words, his works, and more specifically, his works in our life. And we are told not to forget his benefits. Do not forget the works of God in your life. I am so guilty of this. It's so easy to focus on the now and all the negative things that are going on. But when we look back, there's so much that God has done so much to be thankful for. And we have to be intentional at remembering. We need to ask ourselves and each other, where is God at work in your life? Chris has mentioned before that we watched Charlie Mackesy's The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and the Horse on Christmas Day, and we both wept through it. But one bit, bit that stood out to me was when the boy says, we have a long way to go. And the horse replies, yes, but look how far we have come. Do not forget and be thankful and praise God for it. Thankfulness is a learnt behaviour. It takes practice and humility. And gratefulness is even a really secular thing now. 
So many people rely on writing a list of gratitudes daily to help their mental health. And David did this in 1 Samuel 30. It says, David strengthened himself in the Lord. And how do we strengthen ourselves? We do it by remembering what the Lord has done. It's important for us all. And I'm sure we can all reel off a list of things we're thankful for God for. But David helps us by giving us a few pointers in the psalm. So the verse 3 to 5 that will be on the screen. I won't read it just for the sake of time. But um, God forgives all our sins. Not just the little ones, but all of them. That is the gospel, the good news. We hear it a lot, don't we? Probably most weeks at church at least. But it can become a bit like white noise, like a drone in the background that you kind of actually stop hearing. This can happen with forgiveness. We just hear about it and zone out a bit. We can lose sight of two things. The first is the severity of our own sin and the gravity of that. And then we can forget about the magnitude of his forgiveness and holiness. And you put those things together and you easily forget his benefits. And David has listed this first because it's the most important characteristic of God. This is the one that means we can have eternal life with him. And this is a reason enough to praise. It's where our praise begins. To be honest, the next one is tricky and heals all your diseases. Some commentators think David is talking about diseases that are spiritual in nature, like pride, lust, rebellion. But of course, we all know that God heals physically as well. He cares about us and our bodies and our time here on earth. But we know that healing on earth does not always happen, but we're promised complete healing in heaven when we receive a new body. He redeems your life from the pit. Many of us have known God to rescue us from what David calls here the pit or destruction. When I read that, I immediately thought of Michael Emmett. He has written a book called Sins of Fathers where he explains that he was involved with the biggest importation of cannabis into England and got caught and sent to prison. He then had an encounter with Jesus which changed his life forever and completely turned it around. And that is what God does. He redeems our life from destruction. But he goes further than just rescuing us and healing us and forgiving us. He crowns us with love and compassion. We've recently seen the coronation of the king and the significance of that. And this is what he's saying. We are crowned with a covenant love and also the action that flows from that, the compassion he shows us. When we truly grasp that God loves us, it changes everything. And then he satisfies our desires with good things. Well, that sounds great, doesn't it? But our definition of good is quite different from God's. Good to us can be skewed because we live in a fallen world. So we can struggle to recognize true good. We don't fully understand what good is yet because we're currently living in not good. But as we get close to God, as we become more like Jesus, our desires come more in line with his. It's like, for example, it's a bad example, but when you really fancy someone and you know they love a particular sports team, you find yourself checking the score even though you don't normally care about it, and you have a desire for that team to win. And as we get to know someone and love them more, our desires come into alignment. And the result is that our youth is renewed like the Eagles. I haven't noticed my youth renewed when supporting Ulster and Man U, but it is when our desires are satisfied by God. 
And verse 6 is where the psalm shifts from ourself to the external, the church. He is speaking beyond his own heart and speaking to others. So verse 6 and 7, and the others are, are up there. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. We have reason to praise God for what he's done for others too. For Moses, for the people of Israel, but for all of us. And that's why testimonies are so amazing. We love to hear people's stories here at V61 and to praise God for what he's done in their lives. Even if we're not feeling like God is moving or working in our lives, there will be countless other stories of where he is in other people's lives. So let's share stories, let's encourage each other, and in turn, bring glory to God and praise to God. And praise God that he does not accuse us or treat us as our sins deserve. He did that through Jesus. His love and forgiveness are so vast that it can only be explained by two illustrations of infinity. He says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, and then he also said, as far as the east is from the west. I remember learning to count to 100 for the first time with my grandparents, and then asking my grandpa what he could count to, and he said, infinity. And as a five-year-old, or whatever I was, that was a hard concept to get my head around, and it still is a bit of a hard one to understand. But according to the New York Times, if you were to drive 65 miles per hour to the edge of the universe, which is what he talks about, as high as the heavens, it would take 35 million times the current age of the universe, or that's 480 plus 15 zeros, which is there, um, that many years, so a very long time. But our praise does not come close to match infinity. The psalm goes on to compare his compassion to a father's compassion on his child. He loves us like this because he's our father. And seeing Chris with Boaz is a glimpse of this, but again, doesn't even compare. But Chris loves him and he knows him and he knows his weaknesses. He's obviously just started to, to walk and obviously still falls over quite a lot. But Chris obviously isn't putting him into any races. He knows his limitations and is proud of him regardless. And this is written in the present tense. It's happening now. The Lord has compassion for us right now as we sit here, wherever we're at or however we're feeling. And then David puts a mirror up to us and says, we're like grass. I mean, could you get more opposite to infinity? Grass versus infinity. I think that really puts things into perspective. And yet so often we think, well, I know I do definitely, that I can do things alone. We trust ourselves more than we trust in God. And it's kind of madness when you see it written like that. And we're reminded way too often about the fragility of life. It goes without saying that we were reminded of that when Chris was ill. But just last week, I found out about a second guy in my year at school who's died. Life is just so fragile and short. And verse 17 and 18 says, From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness is with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. As long as God has existed, he has had covenant love for his people. He didn't start when you believed. There was never a time he didn't love us. Even before time began, he loved us. But yet we forget with such ease this staggering love and blessing. 
There are three conditions. The promises are made for those who fear him, those who keep his covenant, and those who remember to obey his precepts. They remind us that when we turn away from God and disobey him, which Rachel spoke of too, we're not guaranteed his goodness and compassion. If we choose to live out of his will for our lives, we're inviting other stuff in. We can't expect to get all the benefits if we're determined to live contrary to what the word of God says. And this is hard to hear and a challenge. But Rachel articulated so well what it means to be obedient to God. So do go back and listen to that on the podcast. And then finally, David urges the universe to praise him. Praise goes global. He starts with the angels, the heavenly hosts, and then his dominion. He's calling on all the created universe to praise him. And as the band come up, I just want to reflect on how we respond to this. I recently heard this quote. Your eagerness to spend time with God is determined by your view of him. Do you trust him? Do you trust what he says about you and how much he loves you? Because if you really do, you'll be aching to spend every available opportunity with him. The obvious thing to do in response to this psalm would be to get the band going and to praise him. But I don't know about you, but I feel like I need to repent, to get right with God. Because yes, I have forgotten his benefits, his character, who he is. I have turned my eyes away from him and I need to get right with him before I can stand here and praise, before I can urge my soul, the church and the universe to do the same. I need to get that eagerness back to view him correctly and to trust him and how much he loves me. So if you'd like to do the same, as the band start to play, I'd invite you to come and kneel before the cross here and do what you need to do with God. And if you'd like someone to pray with you, then please do come and speak with Steve or Chris and they'll find someone to do that. But use this time to get right with God and then crack on with praising him. And if you feel okay with God, then use this worship time to remember what he's done, his benefits, remind yourself and praise him because of them. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.